Hello and welcome to Time for Cakes and Ale, episode 16, with me, Eason. And me, Bex. And me, Dave. Dave! <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. QN titles. Um, yeah, so uh, we're joined today by our friend Dave, who knows lots about films and yeah. things. And Sam. Dave is the first guest who has actually brought with him both cakes and ale yeah. to the recording. Yes. So welcome to the mildly inebriated discussion of Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> too. I thought you were about to say welcome to the cakes and ale. <laughs> and Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we brought you on because Guardians of the Galaxy came out a week ago. And we thought, you know who might have views on this? <laughs> Dave might have views on this. <laughs> Was it me? Oh dear. I do have views on this. Excellent. Let's get going. Yes. <laughs> But first, we do a little side shoot and talk about the trailer for The Dark Tower. Mm. And it's very useful for a podcast. Dave is very excited. He has his mouth open. He's waving. It doesn't translate very well. <laughs> uh, Dave, do you have something to say about The Dark Tower trailer? God, it looks good, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, it's, been, it's been a long time coming. It's been 13 years since the official first series of books ended uh, since then we've had wind through the keyhole which is a, a side story within the side stories of the side stories of the books which is brilliant and also marvel has done the the comic books which have been exploring the kind of the younger character of the gunslinger roland deshane and now after 15 years of planning or something we've finally got a movie coming out uh, with the legendary idris elba is he already legendary? He hasn't been around for that long, but he's elevated himself immediately. He's right up there. Yeah, he was in Zootropolis as the best police captain ever. Is that what it takes now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he was also allowed to be British in that and didn't have to do a silly American accent. So. What's your initial view on the trailer? Initially, very impressed with some aspects of it. I can see which of the books they're drawing him from. Obviously, I don't want to spoil it for anyone who's not read the books. I've also read a bit more around the subject, so I know... The, the film itself is essentially a pseudo-sequel, I think, to the books, rather than an adaptation, although it, it could easily be both. It's Stephen King's universe, and he's playing with it as he plays with it so much during the books themselves that anything could really happen. bit worried that it might be a bit up on the action compared to the books, which kind of use the action as a way of getting from A to B, but then there's a whole lot of C to come. Do you think that's just the necessity when you're adapting a book series like The Dark Tower into a film to make it more accessible to people and yeah, make it more cinematic it, it might be specifically they've done it for this trailer and then that's five minutes of the film which would actually suit me really well because I find the best part of the film is the character interaction well, the best part of the book sorry is the character interaction and so they'll have to get that across in the film picked a, a good director to do it Nikolai Arkel we think that's how you say his name Danish director you about to say pastry <laughs> <laughs> i was about to say danish bacon uh his it was the royal affair is the the film that he's quite well known for uh, but that was released in 2012 which is why i couldn't remember his name <laughs> so there we go i've saved myself this is the longest ramble i've ever heard i can about... do this <laughs> about danish bacon <laughs> mm, bacon so what were your thoughts generally on, on seeing this trailer after so long? Um, I, I was mildly excited. <laughs> um, uh, I believe the way someone in the office put it was, why is Riley screaming? <laughs> he seems very happy about something. At this surely. point we should probably say that your surname is Riley. And yes, we're talking about somebody and, else and there, are, there are six Daves in the office, so I'm not allowed to be Dave. I have to be Riley at work. Um, and they just went, why is he screaming? Surely the reports aren't going that badly already. 
it's only the second day of the month. <laughs> uh, little do people know it can go that badly, <laughs> that quickly. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, were, I was quite excited to see it, and like I said, a bit worried about the action quotient. But and I was talking with Bex about this earlier. The way it's described in the book, the gunslinger just moves, and suddenly his gun is fully loaded, and he's firing off the shots before you can see it. And they seem to have translated that quite well, which is one of the things that makes me hopeful for it. So the trailer has a snippet of music from For A Few Dollars More. Yes, it does. You know, very important, evoking the theme of the gunfighter. <laughs> That's what it's about. I what about the resting of the original music from the film? Or? I, I have no idea at this point, because it's the kind of thing I will go and look up. I love trailer music. Mm. There's all kinds of little studios out there that you need to find them and listen to their music. But the, the ring of it is very orchestral and stuff, and I it, it feels familiar, mm. but it could easily be because I've heard it in a hundred trailers before. <laughs> it's one of those things. And what's your view on uh, Matthew McConaughey? I wish he'd had a bit more to do in the trailer. Yeah. He could be good. He could be terrible. I couldn't tell if he had his McConaughey accent on. The uh, the one that his classic kind of sudden draw yeah. or not. If it, uh, it's the one thing he would really need to lose mm. for me to engage with character. Is this going to be the first of a series of films? Or I think the plan is for him to go on to a TV series after it. Oh, so that is all going to happen still. This yeah. idea that they were going to make the... like, this multimedia thing of TV films and everything. Yeah, mm. I mean the, the the one thing that and I don't know if I should talk about it or not is there was a, a tweet uh, a few months ago that Stephen King did himself where he took a photo of one of the, the the key objects in the series it's called the Horn of Eld mm. it's meant to be Arthur whichever Arthur you want King Arthur Arthur mm. of Eld from Roland's universe is the horn that he carries and sounds to trigger the final battle and in the books it's mentioned but it never actually gets used and the implication is that they might be bringing it into play in the film and that, that for me holds interest Particularly if it is going to adapt into a TV series afterwards, it'll be where do we go? Will we see more characters being brought in? Are they going to keep the same cast in a TV show? I hope so. I think I heard that Idris Elba and the kid who's playing Jake Chambers, who and they seem to be the focus of the film. Mm. I think they've both been drafted for the TV series. Of course, you know it might all depend on how well the film goes down. If they suddenly decide, oh dear, where's all our money gone? <laughs> no one's giving it back to us mm. they might pull the plug on the whole thing but I, I'm excited and that's out what in August August, mm. yeah. August 4th in the States August 18th over here screw you <laughs> we get Marvel over here it's fine <laughs> I think we're going to have to get you on to uh, talk more in depth about uh, you're going to have to read the books I probably am now yeah Yeah. I mean I have to say I did see the trailers and I thought hmm I should read made. the books <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a really good topic for a future one, actually. Mm. And we'll get you on, and you can uh, talk to your heart's content. Mm. But we should get back to the main focus. Yeah. Because we've already diverged way too much, yeah. Which is to talk about uh, a little independent film that came out last week, which was... Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. <laughs> it's the first thing you have to say <laughs> so this is going to be a mildly spoilery review we're not going to be giving away any big stuff or endings or twists or anything like that I might just shout them out <laughs> I like the bit in space <laughs> <laughs> but we will be talking about the general plottishness of the film that's a word so yeah so 
There you go, advance warning. Mildly spoilery, but not. This is not something you should do on a podcast, uh, but you know, if you haven't seen it, stop listening. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> I'm Come really back, good Shane. at not spoiling it. <laughs> Come back, Wolverine. So, now you've come back from watching Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, let's continue. <laughs> Dave! Hello, over to me again. <laughs> um, so, vague plot, is this what yeah. we're going for now? Uh, so, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, obviously, in the first film, we've met the Guardians, they've come together, they've saved the galaxy, and now they're continuing to save the galaxy for people and charging money for it, which is something Rocket likes very much. So, the, the film opens, they're they're fighting an interdimensional squiddy being and it, it, it's all very exciting and has one of the best action sequences that you will never make out because <laughs> it's genius and uh, they're, they're working for a, a group of people called the Sovereign and they end up getting on their bad side and the Guardians have to flee they're saved by the mysterious Ego played by Kurt Russell and if you've seen the trailer then this is not a spoiler He's Quill's father. And the plot picks up from there where he takes some of them back to his home planet for reasons I'm not going to go into. And also the Ravagers then start turning up, led of course by Michael Rooker's Yondu, Udanta, who is the best character in the movie. Looking at Eason to see if there's a challenge there. <laughs> He's a character in the movie. He's a character in the movie. I would qualify that statement, yeah. Yeah, okay, we'll get back to that. <laughs> um, and the Ravagers are hired by the Sovereign to try and take down the Guardians. Yondu refuses, this leads to a mutiny, uh, and ends up with him and Rocket and Groot, baby Groot. Okay, he might be the best character in the movie. Uh, off on their own kind of separate side Already story. Already your arguments are crumbling. <laughs> I'm arguing with myself. <laughs> you don't have to say anything. <laughs> it's beautiful. <laughs> so they're, they're off on a side story and then everything kind of, as usual with the Marvel Universe, comes back together at the end. Everyone ends up on the same planet fighting the big bad, trying to save the galaxy again, uh, which makes Rocket even happier because he says they can put their prices up. That's from the trailer as well. Not a spoiler. And uh, yeah, the, uh, the the kind of typical Marvel movie, or so we thought, or did we? <laughs> I was thinking about who my favourite character in the film is, but that's just a complete tangent. Who was your favourite character? My favourite character was Nebula, because I would like to see a film in which Nebula goes on a one-woman rampage attempting to kill Thanos. I think that would be a cool film. That would be awesome. That would be a good film. Yeah, yeah. she doesn't. She isn't in it as much as some of the others, and she doesn't really get any good one-liners because her character is uber serious all the time. Um, so she doesn't get to crack wise as some of the other ones do. But yeah, I think she's quite cool. I agree. So <laughs> <laughs> where to go from here? Ah, I agree with that. Just got distracted by the bear in the corner of the room. <laughs> it's, it's not a real bear. No, maybe ignore that. But <laughs> his name's Douglas. He looks like uh, Captain Bart, who I had, who was the pilot of our American Airlines plane when I was a kid. <laughs> this is bringing back difficult memories for you, Dave. <laughs> I was 1992, I was a kid once. <laughs> so what's your general view of, of Guardians of the Galaxy and how it fits into the whole Marvel Universe? Um, I, I like what it's done for the Marvel Universe. They they have expanded it by, once again, you know, they've brought in some new characters, but they've also brought in the idea of the races we've seen so far haven't been that many and in this one there's a bit where they, they kind of planet hop through 
60 different star systems in the space of a second and you see this wide range of creatures who are going to be available and they also introduced the idea of the celestials which mm-hmm. is um, they were briefly mentioned in the first one that giant skull spaceport is a, a, a dead celestial and uh, they introduced the idea and they're the ultimate marvel cosmic being within the universe and having them actually involved in the films and stuff is going to be possibly interesting depending on how they do it i think it's kind of quite striking how they've managed to bring in the whole cosmic side of the marvel comic universe into the films Mm. without it seeming too hokey or silly actually yeah it's good they haven't collided with the main universe yet that's going to happen in the future I was actually surprised it didn't happen in this one, uh, particularly when you see there's flashbacks to Kurt Russell's time on Earth and, you know, some of the stuff he's done there. And it's like, how, how have the Avengers not noticed? <laughs> <laughs> where, where, is, where is the other Chris? <laughs> Which apparently is uh, something that they keep asking on the set of the new Avengers movie. <laughs> Just to haze Chris Pratt a little bit more. <laughs> he's suffering. He's suffering at the hands of the other Chris's. <laughs> Yeah, that, that there were moments in the film, and I'm not going to go and talk what those moments were, but there were moments when I thought it would be really awesome if there was some kind of cameo from one of the Avengers at this moment, just to begin to bring them together mm. in the same film, if not in the same time or place. Yeah, I mean, there, there was also the total lack of Thanos, who is yeah. the one key ingredient in the Infinity War, because he's trying to assemble the Infinity Gauntlet. For anyone who didn't watch the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, mm. the first mm. one, where he, he finds the gauntlet and says, fine, I'll get all the stones myself. Arr. But that, of course, ties into the upcoming Thor Ragnarok, mm. where Thor's investigating the, the sudden emergence of the Infinity Zone. I say sudden. When did Iron Man come out now? <laughs> get on with it, Marvel! <laughs> well, I think it, they built this whole universe up over a very long period. And I think what's interesting is that if you look back over the films as they are now, I mean, the slate has taken it from, you know, Iron Man, from the Incredible Hulk movie like that, into something which is absolutely huge and which has really built things up by having lots of nods to other elements of the Marvel Universe or characters interchanging. This one was kind of odd because I know that when I watched Captain America 3, uh, the Civil War one, Civil War, yeah. that did just feel a bit, like an Avengers movie and it, was, it almost seemed like they were going to be unable to do these standalone movies without having lots of crossing over between the different parts of the franchise so it's odd that in this one there are lots of points where they could have had elements from the earthbound Marvel Universe interacting with that and they chose not to do that mainly I suppose to keep it as a as a Guardians of the Galaxy movie yeah, I think it was part of a struggle to try and keep it, it fresh and new because that's what it felt like with the first one. I mean, part, part of me, I, I hate myself for saying this, it doesn't quite manage it, uh, but that's because it isn't the first one. Mm. Um, it's almost like Train Spotting 2. Brilliant, but not Train Spotting. <laughs> it, it, it is something that sequels might always suffer from. Uh, Do you think it's, it is a problem with these films, though, that they stick a little bit too much to the tone that each strand of the Marvel Universe? It, like has established it, it could be uh, particularly on Guardians because the, the first half of the movie is absolutely charming mostly because I'm sure they tried to convince James Gunn he needed a plot which is why I was really bad at explaining it because <laughs> there, there really isn't one <laughs> and and that, that 
that first half of the movie where he's just kind of going, oh, look over here, look at this fun thing and this fun thing, and come to my Beatles planet and all kinds of... <laughs> it's not a Beatles planet, is it? Uh, George Harrison? Hmm. Yeah, the George Harrison planet. <laughs> like a Beatles planet. It's like something out of one of their trippy movies. It's beautiful. And then... Um, Suddenly, halfway through the film, he suddenly thinks, "Oh yeah, the, the Marvel guys asked me to do something, didn't they? <laughs> got to ah, uh, oh, I've got to do this plot thing. Oh dear!" Uh, and, and that was the bit that almost kind of took me out a little bit from the movie. And I thought, "I just want more of the fun, trippy stuff." <laughs> but if you are going to tie it all together and get all these characters involved, you're going to need to do it. I think one kind of positive here is that there was a point in the Marvel movies where you really couldn't go into them as a novice. You had to have some knowledge of the films that had gone before. And I think this one only really requires a knowledge of the first Guardians film, which is nice at this stage in a franchise, you know, that you can still watch individual films and get enjoyment out of it with a beginning, a middle and an end. But I do get a sense towards the end that knowing what's coming up on the Marvel slate this really is a prelude. I mean, there are things that they introduce here which are going to be very important, I think, for the rest of the universe. What things are you thinking of? <laughs> or can we not say? I was about to say, I was, you know, um, no. I kind of have to censor myself because there are elements of it which I, I don't yeah. want to give away too many plot points. I mean, points, th but, this, yeah. this was the whole thing when I said the lack of Thanos. Yeah. I was like, I thought they would be dropping more hints about lead up to Infinity War. Mm. Um, obviously, I think that could be what Thor Ragnarok's going to be. Mm. Possibly is the, the, the main rumbling... Because, of course, we know now we've seen the first trailers. Thor's back. Mark Ruffalo's Hulk is back. Very excited. Mm. They're going to be on Sakaar. It's Planet Hulk. <laughs> but things, I don't know how... Well, I really hope it is kind of true to the Planet Hulk. Oh, it, but that's a Hulk right. story. And this is a Thor I know. And, I, and you kind of... Re so, I know that they were talking about doing an, um, a separate Hulk spin-off series that would be uh, World War Hulk and Planet Hulk and things. And then that disappeared. And then it when the trailer came out it was clear they have incorporated elements of that into the Thor films is that going to happen still or? I was going to say they have done a Planet Hulk in the Marvel um, animated, one. animated yeah. universe yeah. yeah so I, I which I haven't seen it's actually not I? bad no no it's actually not bad I think I started watching it and my Netflix broke so I've not seen it <laughs> um, you're the only person whose Netflix is broken <laughs> I, I have a house with everyone watching Netflix and it's very <laughs> difficult to watch Netflix uh, <laughs> <laughs> total diversion because I'm now watching Bex just play on her phone <laughs> no, so you know what I was looking up right this this reminds me of this during the film and I had to look it up too because it's been about 30 years since I've seen this other film you know the bit right at the beginning of the film where they're fighting the interdimensional what's it and it's this kind of weird toothy squiddy character the, the, the background fight yeah. because groups dancing yeah <laughs> yeah Baby group, best. I say it, it's. Um, it reminds me of a phrase my friend Mark coined: "The best fight scene I'll never see." <laughs> Here he's referencing the um, the off-screen explosion in Mad Max Fury Road, where Max just disappears for five minutes. There's a huge explosion. He comes back covered in blood. <laughs> the best fight scene I'll never see. And it was like Guardians too. The opening sequence is like that because you're watching Baby Groot, and in the meantime, everyone else is fighting a giant interdimensional slow beastie. Hmm. So what I was looking up is because we know that, so we've seen Howard the Duck in this universe, right? He's appeared a few times in the Guardians films, in little cameos here and there. Do either of you remember the Howard the Duck movie? The one with Leah Thompson? Yeah. Yeah. Never watched it, sorry. Oh, Dave. Dave. 
So what it reminded me of, this weird interdimensional squiddy teethy monster thing, is the big monster from the end of the How the Duck movie. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Spoilers for Dave. It's okay. <laughs> Simultaneously spoiling the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and the end of How the Duck. Maybe that's where he's from. <laughs> If, if anyone was thinking about watching the How the Duck film, I would like to caution you against that course of action. George Lucas wants to watch it again. I <laughs> he loves those royalties. Is it, I'm sure I remember it being more squiddy than this because it had weird tentacles that came up through the floor. But anyway, this is what it. This is kind of what it looks like. It's not quite as squiddy as the one in the film, but it really reminded me when I was watching it. Oh, it's like a giant space slug. <laughs> yeah. it, it definitely was more squiddy in in how the duck film which i last watched about 30 years ago so anyway that i when i was watching the opening bit of guardians of the galaxy i was like is that the same monster from how the duck <laughs> is the marvel cinematic universe been around for 30 more years than everyone realized <laughs> that would be awesome does george lucas get royalties from the marvel cinematic universe <laughs> Ooh, he's a rich man in more ways than one <laughs> Can't go into them. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dave, what do you think about the score for Guardians? Um, so Tyler Bates has come back. He did the score for the first one. It's much the same as it was before with the score. The the, the score of the background music is very nice. There, there's a few key scenes where you get the whole Guardians theme going on, which I don't think is the strongest thing in the Marvel Universe. That That's Captain America, particularly in The Winter Soldier. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's good. Henry Jackman nailed that score. Tyler Bates, he, he's quite good. He can do space opera. I'll give him that. <laughs> um, but to really do space opera, you have to be John Williams. Sorry, Tyler. And then what you want to talk about, though, is the soundtrack. Mm. The, the, this is my, my movie nerd saying, mm. score is one thing, soundtrack is another. <laughs> is it as good as the first mixtape? No. <laughs> The first one, I had my toes tapping throughout the entire movie. The Much to the annoyance of the people in front of me. <laughs> yeah, particularly when I started tapping on their heads instead. Like bongos. <laughs> yeah, it's like, will you take your feet off the chair? I can't stop the groove. <laughs> no, the, the, the second movie is just, it's kind of lacking the punchier tunes, I mm. thought, which was annoying. Apart from the, the opening sequence, it is brilliant. Love a bit of the yellow. Mm. And actually, the closing credit song, David Hasselhoff, mm. yeah, singing uh, an original track for the movie. Let's get that in the Oscars, please, everyone. <laughs> 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 Who doesn't want to watch Hasselhoff performing at the Academy Awards? For the record, all of our hands are up. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's not. <laughs> I don't know if it was maybe because they changed the style or they changed something else, but it, it just didn't seem to gel as well. But, yeah. It's a small thing in the movie, or because I think part of the focus of the first one was it was a mixtape of new ideas, and in the second one, it, it's maybe not. What's your view on uh, the use of Fleetwood Mac the chain? That bit I thought worked actually quite well both times because there's there's a this oh you're gonna make me say it the thing I didn't want to say. <laughs> say it, Dave. Say it. Ah, oh, so it's it's basically at points it turns into the Fast and the Furious in space because <laughs> it's all about it's all about family 
Um, don't die now, because those will be your last words. <laughs> <laughs> I got the family thing in before. <laughs> no. the, it's a really good thing, actually. The, this We've talked about this before, so I can know I can ramble safely. Guardians of the Galaxy is getting across a load of really important messages in the film that if you're a kid and you're going to just watch films like this, you might not get otherwise. I mean, okay, yes, there's a dog's purpose out at the moment, which is like, oh, lovely, with a puppy. Oh, wonderful. But but this one has shiny and explosions and a talking raccoon? (laughs) Talking raccoon and tiny tree. (laughs) There we go. Get it together, Dave. <laughs> and but there's so many important messages about the the importance of the family in especially in the case of all of the Guardians, is that it's the people they've come together with and not necessarily the people who who were their family, particularly of course, bringing back Nebula. And she and Gamora still not entirely sisterly to each other <laughs> would be a nice way of summing it up. But there's this whole kind of middle act reveal about what Nebula's thinking about what family means to her. And you realise, well, that's that's not a family. And then you see what the Guardians have. Then they have this family. And I think it's great that Marvel's done this because they've let James Gunn get a message across here about the importance of family. That kids, you know, if they go to see a serious drama are not going to get and the fact they did this is amazing and I really enjoyed it right first of all I think I'm going to acquire more beer at this point so there goes the left <laughs> there goes the microphone <laughs> is it left or left mate I've never been entirely sure which one it is uh, it's beer <laughs> Dave can't read <laughs> uh, it's in Belgian I don't speak Belgian <laughs> I don't think left is Belgian for beer or is it <laughs> I don't speak that. <laughs> None of us know. You, you were about to ask me another awkward question, I think. What, what I was going to say is, what one thing that really struck me in the early parts of the film, and also it was the same in um, uh, Ant-Man, which was, what, a year or two ago? Yeah. Is how good the de-aging CGI is now. Because I remember not that long ago watching Tron Legacy, <laughs> in which they had a young Jeff Bridges character who looked like something from a video game. I mean, it, it looked like a... Not intentionally. A, a I, I was going to say, that would actually have worked yeah. well if it had been intentional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it looked like a cutscene. That was Clue, a, wasn't it? A PS4 yeah. game or something. Um is that, is, that a, is that a question? Sorry. That is the sound of beer, not somebody urinating on his microphone. So the question is, has, has, has Marvel done a better job or is, does it work? Or I, yeah. don't, I don't know, I'm making up questions. No, so it's, it, it, it's so good. Pause. Yeah, you need to actually ask a direct question because we're never going to end it into an answer. <laughs> As opposed to the sound of urination. <laughs> saying, I need to ask a question, I'm asking my own questions. But it's so good at this point that we were thinking earlier about what are Marvel going to do as a lot of the core members of the Avengers and things like that, the actors are getting a bit older now. Maybe say, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is what, his late 50s? You leave Robert Downey Jr. alone. (laughs) Um. But because normally that would in some way curtail the lifespan of a character in films like this. But could you just 
now just de-age people on screen. And Robert Downey Jr. can still be Iron Man when he's 70. Or well, they could de-aged. just always use a de-aged Kurt Russell for all cameras. <laughs> he is a beautiful man, isn't he? <laughs> uh, particularly when he's got long wavy hair. He's no Dennis Quaid. He looked like McCready, I thought. In the thing. In the thing, yeah. And it'll start. And I was like, wow. That was McCready hair. Is this a cutscene from the thing that they didn't show to show McCready's life? And he he, he actually, you know, ego was in the thing. And it all went so horribly wrong (laughs) with, you know, Star Lord's mum that he's like, I need to go to the Antarctic and mope. And the universe is more shared than we thought. And then this alien turns up and completely ruined his day. And he said, you know what? I'm out. (laughs) I'll just pretend to freeze to death with the me buddy over here, and then way. I think we're good if they de-aged him into the thing, but they actually de-aged the wrong person. They had Keith David playing young Kurt Russell. <laughs> Except you say that, and this is the thing about Marvel: they're constantly outside of the cinematic universe at the moment, reinventing and reimagining their characters. So there, there have been four different Spider-Mans. Mm. I can't name them all. Um, two different Thor, well, at least two different Thors. Mm. There was Clone Thor as well. <laughs> To end up in the, the first Civil War comic years ago. Right, so overall, with Guardians, where do you think it fits into, uh, well, in your opinion, the uh, the whole MCU? Um, it, it feels like, like I said, it felt like an aside in the run-up to Infinity War, which is interesting. And throughout the, the film, and also at the end of the film, they do something very clever where they reassemble some of the other characters who have also been guardians of the galaxy in the the comic books so that's a a key that the team that we know might not be the team that's always the guardians of the galaxy it's something yeah that's clever yeah you say that (laughs) marvel did it years ago (laughs) it's like they planned this out yeah it's like they thought at some point we are going to have to recast these people (laughs) let's just invent other people quite why they've picked a cast of people who are all older than the current cast I don't know that doesn't work on the whole they did miss the uh, Tango and Cash situation oh, they could have developed let's, oh. let's de-age Kurt Russell and Sylvester Stallone Tango oh. and Cash too. I deliberately space. didn't mention Sylvester Stallone because <laughs> I had that spoiled for me I did not know he was in the film and then Empire and I am going to name them <laughs> <laughs> led with the story of James Gunn wants Stallone in volume 3 and and the keyword was they put again. And I was like, oh, so he's in volume two. Yeah. Thanks, Empire. Should we, should the film's not out. No, it's fine. That was me no, slagging no, off Empire. No, 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 it's fine. Yeah. We'll leave that in. <laughs> um, no, I mean, to be fair, though, it's, it's something a spoiler if it appears in the opening credits. Because I, I saw that and I was completely like starring Kurt Russell and Sylvester Sloan. I was like, is there going to be like a flashback to Tango and Cash? If it's in the opening credits, it's in the movie. And if you've not had a chance to watch the movie, because so they, they released their story the morning of the day it came out. I know a load of people went to the midnight yeah, show. That's true. That's not fair. Yeah. yeah. You've got to give people a chance to watch it on the day before you release the story. And before it kicks off and Guardians becomes an expendable sequel. Which he's walked away from exactly. is the latest I hear. That's a tangent which we cannot go into right now. Oh, but it hurts so much. So the Expendables two and three. <laughs> but but they never managed to get Kurt Russell into the Expendables, true. which was a shame. Oh, Could have been the Tango and Cash reunion we all want. It's just me. Pass some hands. He's still in that. 
No, but that's what Kurt Russell did instead. I thought was Fast and Furious. Oh yeah, no. I thought that clashed with uh, Fast and Furious Seven. Clashed with Expendables Three. I think this whole idea about you know clashes between them being in movies, it, it would have yeah. taken nothing to get everyone in this movie sharing a scene together. Actually, I, I saw a good article today. The Kenneth Branagh talking about the new Murder on the Orient Express mm. was talking about scheduling issues because he's got everyone in that movie. <laughs> Judy Dench is in it. Daisy Ridley's in it, mm-hmm. who is, of course, for some reason, very busy. Oh, there's a movie, she's, is it a TV yeah. series? I oh, don't know. It's a, something they're filming. Yeah. And then, Tango and Cash are in it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's revealed at the end that Poirot is like, I have no idea, I'm going to call Tango and Cash. And they sort it out. That, that, oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> watch that movie. <laughs> we would watch that movie. <laughs> Tango and Cash on the Orient Express 2. It's claimed as a sequel. People go, where's the first one? Oh, yeah. lost in Eason's mind. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, Snowpiercer. <laughs> it'd, it'd be like that, that film uh, about the genie that everyone thinks exists and it didn't. Oh, Shazam! Yeah. Sinbad! <laughs> <laughs> I love Sinbad. <laughs> I love that movie Shazam. <laughs> what, the one that doesn't exist but does? <laughs> do, you, do you know what's really fun? That was when I lived in America. I am one of the people who thinks they've seen the movie. <laughs> Is this some kind of thought control experiment? I have think? no idea. It's a really odd, odd experiment if they use that as a thought control experiment. People will all believe there was a movie called Shazam starring Sinbad as a genie. Even if Sinbad goes on Twitter and tells you it didn't happen, it still happened. <laughs> right, at this point I'm going to pull rank here and get things back on track. This is okay. spiralling out of control. Did we tangent? No, it's fine. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> no, I always record that a bit and hope to splice it in later on to an episode. <laughs> you, know, you know what I would like to say while we're still vaguely on the subject of spoilerifiness? Okay. Is the scene they chose to release before the film. You know when all the trailers were out? And they released a trailer that was basically an entire scene from the film involving Groot and... Uh, Rocket. Rocket. And some of the others were kind of in the background. You know the one I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. I was shocked at how that scene fits into the film in terms of why would they choose that one to release before the film? Because I was sitting there in the cinema thinking, I can't believe I've seen this entire bit given what was occurring at the time. I thought when I saw the trailer the first time, oh, this is the opening bit. Yeah. And that's why they showed it. And then... When I watched the film, and this is actually one of the bits where I felt the plot had shoehorned the creativity out of the way, I thought, God, this bit's not as good as it was in the trailer. <laughs> I mean, it has been recut, and uh, there's different lines in there. And I just thought, wow, this is really goofy and fun, but it's not working. <laughs> it's not working at all for me. Move on, please. I know what's about to happen. So, yeah, they, they, they kind of spoil it themselves. Mm. Um, I, I do know a lot of my friends now will not watch trailers until they see them in the cinema so they won't go online so they get like the kind of final trailer cut because there's so many different ones i mean there, there's a there's a tv trailer for guardians 2 with david bowie music but it's the um you if you want to get some classic bowie with your guardians it's the you're welcome trailer and it's suffragette city which is one of his finest songs awesome classic bowie as it's properly pronounced <laughs> can't can't pronounce because have to rhyme Zowie Bowie. <laughs> Sorry, Duncan. No, it's pronounced Duncan. 
Like the donuts. <laughs> anyway. But I, I feel like Marvel has fallen in this area because I remember when um, Civil War was coming out mm. and they had so many trailers and so many scenes from that that there were massive spoilers, particularly spoilers in the way that certain characters were making an appearance and, and oh, being and the, introduced into and it. And the sides as well, of yeah. the Civil War. Yeah, that, that was one that got a lot of comment in the circles. I, when I watched the film, I felt like I'd seen half of it already. And when, when characters appeared who maybe hadn't been in the Avengers films before, it wasn't a lovely surprise in the cinema. Like, oh, that character's in it. It was like, oh, yeah, I saw that. I saw, I saw that in a trailer. One of the 10, 15 trailers they released for the film. The, uh, the, the biggest guilty party on Civil War was actually Lego, uh-huh. who released the images for all the Civil War toys they were producing <sighs> months before the film came out, including the airport battle, where a certain character... Maybe played by Port- everyone's seen the movie now, haven't they? <laughs> when Ant Man toes Giant Man, <laughs> Lego released a box set with the Giant Man in it, and the universal cry of spoilers was heard around the world. <laughs> we can't afford sound effects. That was great. <laughs> that was nice. I like it. I'll do it again. So, should we go back to the, the knowledge of the future of the DC universe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Or the Marvel universe. <laughs> Don't worry. If I say that again, you have no permission to slap me. Uh, if you say DC Universe, I just say, has no future. <laughs> What's your view on where the Marvel Cinematic Universe is going? You nearly said DC. I did. I did. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure. Obviously, at this point, they haven't announced their intentions beyond Phase 3. We know James Gunn has now said, I'll do Volume 3 of Guardians. I don't know if that means they've said they're going to do one or if he's just said you know I've agreed to do one if they they do well Wikipedia has it listed on their list of upcoming uh, movies with a release date of uh, TBA it's the the only one that's listed on it it doesn't have an official release date but it's a film that's been so successful and all the the other ones have kind of done three that you can imagine they yeah including actually Iron Man Iron Man 2 was Let's shuffle that one under the carpet territory. <laughs> it wasn't the greatest novel movie. No. What's interesting is that on here, they've got a section on here called Post Phase 3, and there are only two films listed. Which are? One of them is Spider-Man 2, which is specifically listed as 5th of July 2019. And the other one is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 TBA. But there's quite a few ones scheduled between now and... Yeah, I don't actually then. know what the, uh, the upcoming schedule is then. But... So you have, ooh, you have Spider-Man Homecoming. Yes. Which is coming out later this year? Yeah, and July. We have, yeah, July. we have yeah. Thor Ragnarok November. Ooh, somebody has a smartphone in front of us. <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> you asked me. <laughs> Black Panther. God, give us a date. Uh, February two thousand eighteen. And Ryan Coogler. So excited about that. I loved Creed. Yeah. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> you just get a sound effect there. <laughs> I, I got in trouble when I reviewed Creed on the radio because I kept punching the desk with enthusiasm. Um, massive blockbusters coming out in February is unprecedented, isn't it? That's really Hot fuzz, early, yeah. Valentine's Day. <laughs> Do you think it's because they're shifting to having three Marvel movies a year, though? Mm. This kind of February and then summer and then November date? Because that could mean that they're just kind of spreading them out. They can't just release them all on the same day. So you say that in 2018 it's backloaded to the first half of the year February March July is the current plan Ooh, so what's so uh, what's Black Panther 
Black Panther, Infinity War, Infinity War Ant-Man and the Wasp. Ah, I forgot about that. Yeah, which I'm really looking forward to because more Paul Rudd. <laughs> Unless, you know, things go badly in Infinity War. <laughs> Let's face Jeff it. Winger once said, I can see the appeal, but I wouldn't pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, but, so may- maybe in that case, maybe it's because they, they have to get Black Panther out before Infinity War. Assuming that Black Panther is going to be in Infinity War. So they want to get his film out first, oh, yeah. but they're already scheduled all the way up to November with Thor. So we're getting a, a non-canonical February release date for Black Panther, which hopefully won't make any negative impact on the box office because it's a Marvel film, so everyone's going to go see it anyway. What's really interesting is it hasn't the uh, the Star Wars movie for 2018 moved up to May? Ooh. I think that that could be uh, mm. interesting. Uh, it's worth noting Infinity War does come out on Star Wars Day, May the 4th. Mm. Yeah. Well, whoever loses, Disney wins. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Captain Marvel and Untitled Avengers film, because Infinity War is now going to be one film instead of split over two parts. But haven't they basically spilled the beans that it's called Infinity Gauntlet? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, it was kind of always flooding around that there'd be... Well, it was Infinity War Part 2 for a long time. <laughs> I think it was Zoe Saldana who let it slip in an interview where she talked about the fact that they had been shooting stuff for Infinity War and then she said, and then we all have to come back again for Gauntlet later on and everyone was like, ooh, it's called Gauntlet. the code name, yeah. yeah. Blue Harvest Time. <laughs> or Guardians of the Galaxy Quest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, Alan Rickman. You've done it again. Now I'm sad. It's okay. They can just CGI him in. It's mostly makeup anyway. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that's, like, that's like proper heresy there. <laughs> we have some outtakes from characters. It's actually one of my favourite sci fi films mm. characters. It's awesome. It's because it's proper sci fi. Daft and silly and fun. Like yeah. Guardians! <laughs> so you think that you know there's ever going to be a problem with these Marvel movies where some of the people involved get too expensive or like I'm not doing this anymore I can't be bothered I want to go and be on Broadway and be in a serious play I think it's entirely possible yeah I mean I hope it doesn't happen because I like the movies too much but yeah I mean we, we talked about them aging obviously people aging out I mean, this is one of the things where the Marvel Universe itself in the comics is very good at reinventing and reimagining I, I mentioned there's been four different Spider-Mans I think two different Thors in the the Captain America series in the Civil War comics, at the end of it, he dies. <laughs> spoilers, spoiler. <Yeah>. spoilers. <laughs> but they're onto Civil War two now, so where they something have you been? <laughs> <laughs> Can I say heck or hell? I was going to say potatoes. Where the potatoes yeah. have you been? <laughs> anyway, um, they're onto they're onto Civil War two now, uh, and but what happened at the end of the original Civil War comics when Captain America dies was that Bucky becomes Captain America. Uh, eventually it actually goes back to being Steve Rogers again because Marvel just can't keep Steve Rogers down <laughs> or, or you know most of the other characters at some point they all come back again so uh, the idea that they could transfer this idea across to the films as well is actually quite appealing to me because for one thing you know and this is this is going to sound harsh they've got a really good track history of not killing off characters <laughs> and I think Infinity War might be the thing that tips it into you know someone's got to go I mean Quicksilver in Age of Ultron was actually a massive surprise because mm. and I'm sure he was told to tell everyone but Aaron Taylor Johnson's like oh yeah I signed up to my seven film contract <laughs> they might have you know told him as well and then told him 
P.S. That's not going to happen. And he's just like, do you know what? I respect what you're doing. Let's keep this going. And it was actually, it was one of the film's biggest, finest points for me was the fact they took this risk, especially the way they were setting up poor Jeremy Renner for the entire time. It's like, oh, look, he's got a farm and family and kids. He's totally going to die. And now he's on TV adverts. Yes. Yeah. Um, he must be out of the Marvel Universe by now. No, but Ryan Reynolds is also doing the TV adverts and he's in the Marvel Universe and you don't like him. <laughs> yeah, but if you put him on the screen with Chris Evans, my brain will explode. For what reason? Because the two of them and Ryan Gosling are basically the same person in my mind. Ah, it's, it's fine. Deadpool and anti-Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you not read the Deadpool stories where there's like all the different incarnations of him, all 640 billion from all of the different parallel universes? They've made a great cover, though. Yeah. Mm. Parallel universes gets me back to Dark Tower. It's already happened. Oh, no. Restrain yourself. I've stopped. <laughs> Here's the solution to have a brand new character come in and take over the mantle of a character. So recently you've got, in the comics, a new character taking on the mantle of Iron Man, um, Riri Williams, who I think has then renamed herself as Ironheart, but she basically has kind of taken over that mantle from Tony Stark in the comics. So could you stop bringing in a new wave of characters as characters who've been around from the very beginning and are maybe getting a bit old and expensive to keep around? You could you could bring in. You mean the actors, not the characters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the actors are getting too old and expensive to keep around. Hopefully, one or the other. But you know, actually, Robert Downey Jr. is a fine actor. He can be old and expensive. I thought they were actually going to do this at the end of Iron Man Three, um, and in fact, that was their original plan. He he had himself had said, you know, I've enjoyed the Marvel movies, but I'm actually a bit tired now. I'd like to go and do something else. And then, you know, maybe the offers weren't there for him anymore for some reason. Maybe it was because he just turned into a comic book character as far as studios were concerned and he wouldn't come in and do anything else, which is incredibly unfair. And a shame, because he's actually a very good actor. He's a fantastic actor. Um, I'm now struggling to think of other films he's been in. And maybe this is the problem. Yeah. Maybe studios thought no one can identify him. No, but, and I mean, Chaplin is really good he's fantastic in that a long time ago it was a long time ago and I was a child sorry <laughs> Air America <laughs> now that I have seen I love Air America <laughs> do you think they're ever gonna recast characters in the Marvel Universe like they did with Incredible Hulk I mean that that was their plan you can almost I'm getting hints of it from the Spider-Man Homecoming trailer that Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man Tony Stark is trying to set up Peter Parker to be a better kind of Iron Man or Tony Stark I mean I don't obviously because it's Sony and it's Marvel they're two different but they have cooperated Fox take a hint <laughs> <sighs> and um, they're bringing the characters together and it would be interesting to see if you know Tom Holland's character kind of in, almost becomes a pseudo Iron Man as Spider-Man Oh, but do you think that they're going to replace Tony, Tony Stark, Stark, but with a different actor? I don't know if they do that specifically yeah. for him, though, because he is Robert Downey Jr. Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. It's it's kind of that. They're one and the same now. There was, um, I don't know. Here's a complete tangent for you, because I know you love them so much. Have you seen Star Wars tribute to Carrie Fisher? There's a great bit, and in the opening sequence, she's being interviewed, and it's her when she's first doing Star Wars then it cuts to her for The Force Awakens and she says I am Princess Leia and Princess Leia is me 
And then because she's Carrie Fisher, she adds it's like a Mobius striptease. <laughs> Classy. <laughs> and also a question I put in the film quiz. <laughs> it was the observation now. We made people watch the tribute. And Robert Downey Jr., for me, as Iron Man, he's done that. So I think if he goes, Tony Stark goes. Again, this is this is maybe a chance Infinity War. I, part of me is like, you know what? You need a fresher universe. Or maybe they just need to stop. You know, at some point, Marvel is going to run out of steam. Sacrilege. But it will. It will. Yeah. I, I mean, mean can they keep keeping them fresh, though? Because you can keep bringing in new characters and, and going to more and more obscure properties to go and find characters that you haven't got on screen yet. But if it keeps being very kind of top-heavy with the big characters who've been there from the beginning, is it even possible to keep it feeling fresh? Because, you know, the, the, the second Avengers film didn't feel anywhere near as fresh as the first one, which is partly because it wasn't as good a film, but also because it lacked the novelty of saying, oh my God, everyone's together and it's all fantastic and then, uh, it's, it's Iron Man and it's Black Widow and it's Captain America at the same time. You didn't like the second Avengers movie? No. <laughs> I think it was... It was how many times have you watched it? Once. Just once. Oh, okay. Watch it. Take my advice. Do watch it again. Um, you'd be surprised. You'll start noticing a whole ton of stuff. Mm. I'm not just talking about the obvious foreshadowing of Jeremy Renner's <laughs> death. It doesn't happen. <laughs> the, 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 I actually thought Age of Ultron, it, it, yeah, you're right, it wasn't as good as the first one, but it's actually still a really good movie. I came out of it the first time okay yes it was a midnight showing I was sleepy more than anything else but also a little bit dissatisfied and then I saw it uh, one or two more times in the cinema not my record Rogue One <laughs> <laughs> or possibly Fury Road anyway, I digress and then on repeat watchings I found more and more to enjoy it was almost kind of like background noise that I'd filtered out again it was a midnight showing <laughs> the first time I saw it so that I'd go back and give it another chance That's my I do wonder if my initial response was simply this feeling of I've seen this before yeah. and then you kind of want to now see I'm done something with interesting yeah. it doesn't happen so like, but actually going back again might be worth doing but you know yeah, I mean the it, it's interesting because you, you get different elements in the first one we do see what happens when the Hulk loses control but when you think about it he actually doesn't get up to much mischief <laughs> in the first movie when he loses control in the second movie he goes and wrecks Johannesburg <laughs> that's a lot more mischief but it, it also introduces the elements that they have now planned for something mm. like this you also get the elements of Tony Stark still coping with his PTSD mm. effect that they covered in Iron Man 3 and he's plainly still suffering in Avengers 2 because he is worried about letting the world down and stuff that's why he tries to solve all the problems mm. And then it all goes a bit ultron-y. <laughs> but are there other characters who are already in it then who could have a standalone film but they haven't yet? Because a lot has been said about whether or not they're going to do a Black Widow film and why they haven't done it. But yeah. So there, there's her and there's also, you know, you could maybe do a Nick Fury film. Or what, what I thought might be cool is, is there's a really good series of Hawkeye comics recently. Yes. Could you do like a Hawkeye TV series on mm. Netflix or something? and turn those into a, a story. I still haven't read the Hawkeye comics. <laughs> <laughs> I said that just for that sound effect, folks. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> but I seriously still haven't read them. The rest of this episode is recorded with Dave in a remote location. <laughs> <laughs> so as you can say, it's the sound of Eason beating Dave to death <laughs> with the sole of his own slipper. 
Wayne's World 2 reference for you there. <laughs> um, <laughs> how's that for a tangent? <laughs> that was genuinely the most unexpected reference. It's been a long time. I had to beat them to death with the soles of their own shoes. <laughs> oh dear, what was the question? Oh, stand, stand alone. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think what's coming up in the upcoming year. Obviously, they're going to do Cloak and Dagger now. Mm. Um, that's just been announced as a new TV Trailer's show. Trailer's actually quite interesting for that. Yeah, there's also talk of a, a Runaways TV yeah. show coming mm. up as well. And the, these are all characters that, you know, like the Guardians, people may never have heard of them before. Mm. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy 2, obviously, there's the idea of the Celestials maybe taking a bigger role in which case you can then branch off into the Eternals mm. uh, I think the latest incarnation of that was actually the latest incarnation I've heard was Neil Gaiman who did the third volume of mm. the Eternals and they're like these semi-immortal super beings who work for the Celestials and monitor all the races in all the galaxies to make sure they're not being mean or something <laughs> I don't know it was a bit are trippy. they the same as the Watchers then? Or no they... the, the Watchers don't interfere the Eternals okay, can yeah. Yeah. um and it, it almost felt like when I read the comic the first time, the Eternals had all of the DC powers that weren't quite good enough, but they were also immortal, so it was fine. It's like, I can run really fast and you can't kill me. Unlike The Flash, who, I don't know, I, I, DC's not my bag, unless Batman's fighting Alien. Yeah. <laughs> one of the greatest comics I've ever read. That's the one way that they could fix the entire DC universe. Yeah. Well, give it to Ridley Scott. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that. They could say versus Aliens. You mean to really stop can be a complicated proposition. <laughs> yes. Have you seen what he's done with some of his <laughs> movies? Oh, The Martian was great. Yeah, I saw it on a plane the other day. Why were you watching it on a plane? Sometimes I like, like to. <laughs> I love The Martian so much that I thought it would boost its box office uh, by paying 500 quid to go on a plane to watch it before realising that's not how it works. <laughs> Did you just want to be that bit closer to Mars? <laughs> To be honest, on that same flight, I think I watched Deadpool, which I thought was balls. Oh. Uh, I watched Arrival, which I liked. Oh. I watched The Matrix again, which I loved. <laughs> so good. <laughs> what else did I watch? What's something else? See, that, that Warner Brothers is a note on how to do decent sci-fi comic <laughs> fantasy. Please. Oh, I watched Jackie, and that was actually quite good. Not seen it. I was actually quite surprised. The worst moment I had was when I got up to stretch my legs and I remember at a certain point I was standing at the end of one of the arms we were near the back of the plane they were cheap seats uh, and I looked forward and I saw about 50 screens all showing uh, the film La La Land at various stages because oh. everyone clearly thought I'm not going to watch this in the cinema but I'm going to sneak aboard a plane and watch it <laughs> and everyone's watching it and they all look very sad and disappointed <laughs> have you seen La La Land? Uh, I've seen it. I've seen what a five-minute section simultaneously, which probably <laughs> makes up the whole film. I wasn't paying attention to all of it, but that was basically it. One of the greatest cinematic disappointments I ever had. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, decent film, but it was ten minutes after I came out of the cinema. I suddenly realised, hold the phone. That wasn't a happy ending at all. <laughs> I felt like I'd been robbed of two hours of my life. I mean, I'll just go and watch Crazy Stupid Love again if I want to watch. Gosling and Stone in action because they're amazing as, yeah. a, as a comedy duo they're brilliant however in La La Land no <laughs> I remember watching the opening on a uh, screen next to me I've never it's one of those things you get a sense of it but you don't look directly at it it's like an yeah. eclipse 
in it. The opening and is the best part because it's different to the rest of the entire film. So I saw the opening and I thought it was balls. Um, <laughs> it didn't help that actually I was watching some of the screen, so I couldn't hear what was going on. She looked yeah. balls. It was the, the, the traffic dancing. It was all kind of nonsense. Yeah, yeah. That 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 bit's actually brilliant because I thought, oh, they've made a proper classic musical. Then you, the rest of the film happens. You know what that. That opening of La La Land was basically the ten odd seconds in the musical episode of Buffy where they sing They Got the Mustard Out and do some twirly things when they're being group dancing thing. So Buffy but done worse. Well, basically I'd seen it. As in as in Buffy's really good. Sorry, that made me sound like I hated Buffy. Buffy's amazing. <laughs> it's on record that Dave Riley hates Buffy. No, more. More Joss Whedon, more. You're not doing anything at the moment. No, I, what I was I trying to think... say was, uh, basically I'd seen what looked like most of La La Land in a snippet of an episode of Buffy many years ago and it was done properly back then. Mm. It was about mustard. Yeah. And it had a happier ending as well, I'm sure. Because yeah, they got the mustard out. So everyone's oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it sounds a bit wrong now. <laughs> This is an incredible tangent. Yeah. I'm really good at tangents, I warned you. <laughs> previous fight we were on, I had the misfortune of watching Suicide Squad. Oh. Which could possibly be the worst thing I've ever seen. And given that I watched Inferno on the same flight, <laughs> which at the time I thought this is the worst film I've ever seen, and then I watched Suicide Squad and I thought, nope, I, I was mistaken. <laughs> Do you want me to tell you why it's not the worst film you've ever seen? Because why, I be watching? it's half an hour less than Batman v Superman. <laughs> <laughs> and also, the soundtrack is a hundred times better. <laughs> Somewhere in Suicide Squad, there's a decent film trying to fight its way out. In Batman v Superman, in Batman v Superman, there's nothing salvageable there, sorry. But it, it, it was like it had been edited together by a five-year-old. But th- this this is a real tangent now. Yeah, yeah. This, we, this is not even the MCU universe. anymore. <laughs> it's out of control. And I thought I was the only one who got confused between the DCU and the MCU. Yeah. I never say DCU because they give me sad faces. <laughs> I mean, actually, I, I should take back Batman v Superman. There's one good thing about it, and that Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, which has been mysteriously no Why promotion. is it not being promoted yeah, that what? much? It's bizarre. It's yeah. not in trailers before films I'm watching. It's Warner not really Brothers are morons when it comes to comic properties. Sorry, you know Warner Brothers, it's true. <laughs> that makes a hell of a lot of sense. Yeah, because they, they thought they had it, they had a, I know you don't like them, they had a great thing with the Batman movies. Mm. Um, the great thing was probably Christopher Nolan, and that's why I don't think you like them very much, to be fair. They're not my favourite movies. Yeah. What are your favourite? No, too big a tangent. <laughs> and they, they just seem to have, you know, they thought, oh, we'll get Zack Snyder and he can do a Batman movie. No, no, he can't. He, he can't do a Superman movie either. But he'll try. And he'll yes. keep giving me more opportunities to do it. Yeah. I don't know. Either Wonder Woman has somehow had an early screening and it's been so commercially panned, they've decided, right, we need to recut this and forget we ever made it until the release date. Uh, but yeah, it, it's not going unnoticed either. There's a lot of chatter online about it. And Do you think they just haven't promoted it because Guardians is out and they want to kind of get a bit of clear air before they start doing it? I hope that's the truth. I um, have to say, the weird thing was, they did a lot of promotion when there was... So you know when the trailer for the new Justice League movie came out, mm. everyone was talking about like Aquaman being in it and the Flash being in it. But it was notable how they didn't use the opportunity that 
Wonder Woman was in it. And she features so heavily in that and in Batman v Superman. It's probably one of the most positive things about the Batman v Superman. The only movie. positive yeah. thing. Is <laughs> it's odd that they didn't springboard that to kind of start promoting the Wonder Woman movie. Because that's out this year. I mean, it's it's odd that they haven't done it. And They finally got a Chris in the universe as well, which is clearly a key to success. Yeah, I, it, it makes me wonder, actually, about their marketing strategy. I mean... But they don't seem to know what they're doing anyway. So maybe no, they could be that. spectacularly wrong by thinking, oh, this is a terrible film. It actually could work out being a really good movie, but they just don't see it yet. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to go see it because, yeah. you know, film junkie. <laughs> because of a free unlimited card. <laughs> no, I have to pay for it. <laughs> but after a while, the films become free. <laughs> I mean, I know, also, it, it's partially to do with my line of work. You know, I work in... Yeah, smack the laptop. <laughs> Bad Dave. I, I I work in anti-piracy, so you know I, I every now and again I actually get to interact with the studios, which is cool. Not as much as I used to because I'm too senior now, <laughs> which basically just means I get all the paperwork and reports to write, and I miss doing the 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 um, the work I used to do. But the I don't know. It's it's one of those that I've completely lost my train of thought there. What did I start off saying? You said, my name is Dave, and I'm here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> that was a long... Th- oh, I was talking about the whole work thing. And, of course, the other thing I do locally is I'm also doing reviews on Cambridge 105, which you told me I can lag a little bit. Tune into us midday. Don't worry, we'll edit that whole thing out. The whole thing's going okay. <laughs> So it, it's middays on every other Saturday, and the show's called Bums on Seats, and I'm one of the regular reviewers. In fact, I'm, I found out on the last show I'm now the longest-serving reviewer because all of the others run away from me, <laughs> I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I end up going to see a lot of films, however heavily they're promoted or not, Warner Brothers. Take note while you're screwing up with your uh, your own comic universe. But it also means I get to see stuff like Moonlight, the proper winner, as, you know, oh, what were they doing? That was a shambles. This is why Marvel doesn't want an Academy Award Academy Awards. How can you make the bad, the really good films look bad? I'm sure that both Marvel and the Academy Awards are, are listening. Are listening? Yeah, yeah. yeah, you never know. They've heard you, Dave, and they're not happy about it. I, I would love. I, yeah, I will send a link to all the studio execs I can get a hold of. <laughs> it's like two now. I'm down to two. So, okay. So we talked a little bit about you know having spin-offs for specific. <laughs> Bex re-emerges on the creakiest floorboard ever. <laughs> it's that one right there. <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy was pretty obscure when they announced they were going to make the film. If you could pick another comic, it could be Marvel, it doesn't have to be Marvel, it could be anything that is kind of obscure but would make an awesome film, what would it be? I'm going to go with Lock and Key which is tying nicely back into the Dark Tower-ish because it's written by Joe Hill, Stephen King's son. And Lock and Key has already actually had one attempt at adapting it for TV. They've just announced that they're possibly going to be making it again with Joe Hill as the showrunner, which gives me good... And it's this dark kind of gothic fairy tale set in a house called Key House. And a, a family moves in. They've just suffered, suffered a kind of really horrible tragedy. And I'm not going to tell you what it is because spoilers. The house has all these kind of hidden keys just dotted around the house. And each key 
opens a different door or opens a different object and they all produce different things there's the, the key of shadows that brings shadows to life there's a key that turns you into a giant there's a key that shrinks you uh, there's a key that activates a doll's house where you can be put in the doll's house and then interact with it so a giant hand will come through the wall and poke your brother if he's being annoying that's from one of their latest story. They, they've just released a new story this year and that, that fits in it. Um, the whole idea of the interacting with the house as a dollhouse. And they're, they're going to turn that into a TV series. Fingers crossed. Um, obviously, it didn't work out well the first time, but it's got a bit more of a following now. It's gone beyond the kind of cult and it's also brilliant comic series. I remember it from one of the first things that you lent me as a graphic novel collection. Yes. And I thought it was awesome. Yeah, I never kept up with it afterwards. Have you read the whole thing? No, I haven't. You've only read the first one. Yeah, oh. I remember reading that. I thought it was great, and then I—it's only six um, collective yeah. editions long. It's really short, and now the, this standalone. And also, I was talked into buying a portfolio of the artwork. Yeah, I've turned into you. <laughs> I see you shaking, <laughs> shaking your head at me. I know about the Sandmen. <laughs> are they are they out of the cellophane yet? The Sandman volumes. Yes, but I still only use them uh, occasionally occasions I open them with a pair of uh, cotton gloves cotton gloves tweezers tweezers pages very carefully cotton, co cotton covered tweezers I actually have a, a butler on retainer who turns <laughs> the pages for me in an in another room in another location it's a hermetically sealed one and I watch the things on the screen because I'm too scared to touch them because they are such beautiful books so I, I know you really like Sandman yeah. so so what about that as an adaptation I think Sandman could potentially make a wonderful HBO ten part miniseries kind of you know adaptation. I don't think it's a good film. I think there's too much for it to be you know a single two three hour movie. There's a lot to it. I think it's very visual. I think it's a beautiful book, but I also think that any attempt to film it is doomed to fail. It's weird. Although I would love to see a version of it, um, and I haven't seen the new American Gods thing, which I've heard is really good. Likewise, I worry that whatever they put on screen would never live up to my expectations because it's almost one of those things which just shouldn't be filmed it's almost like saga yes which it works beautifully in the comic book format and i think deliberately it's been done in such a way that it just is meant to exist in that form i think but, sandman is one of those things which i love dipping into and reading and it's just it should almost be kept in that format although i can understand the urge to want to make an adaptation i know they keep talking about doing it and it keeps kind of appearing and then failing and appearing and failing and i really hope it's neil gaiman who's actually discovering it himself because yeah. i think you know something like good omens yeah clearly defined storyline exactly sandman you're right it's you know there is a storyline in there somewhere but half i think at least half the novels are just these asides and i hope he basically gets it optioned he gets the money for it and then he the pizza Hi. man knocketh. <laughs> that is the sound pizza do carry on yeah. um yeah i kind of hope that neil gaiman gets his royalty check and then i hope that uh he does scuffer it and says no not for me give it another couple of years and does it that one yeah that that would be good i mean i'm now struggling to think of other things if we're gonna Ex talk machina which I, i've not read though <gasps> sacrilege you keep making that noise <laughs> hey watch what happens when i say twin peaks <laughs> because I've not seen it not not just because <laughs> loud pizza guy what was that was that just the pizza guy trying to appear on the podcast <laughs>
I don't know, maybe Betsy gave him a spectacularly large what was that chip. About? <laughs> pizza time, it's a pizza time. Did he shout what he shouted? He shouted dinner time. <laughs> Dear, <laughs> we are talking too much. <laughs> I think, to be honest, we have to leave that in. Uh, I, I, I think we do. If, we, if we've caught it. We'll probably take out my uh, Jerry Gergage impersonation. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, however will they hear it. <laughs> <laughs> this is turning into, but it's actually not the longest one we've ever recorded. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned Saga earlier. Yeah. But I think that Brian K. Vaughan's done a lot of things that would be wonderful uh, TV or film adaptations. Did he do Why the Last Man? Yes. Yeah, Which see. they keep scuppering as well. Yeah, and also I know you're going to bring up Ex Machina solely because I've not read it, and you're going to you're going to have a go at me again. I will lord it over you forever. But you've not read The Dark Tower, so I win as well. <laughs> Stalemate. Mm. What about you, Bex? Yeah. Adaptations. So I think as a TV series rather than a film, I think that Five Ghosts is crying out for a TV series. So I think we both <laughs> stalemated there. Next wins. It's, it's about this guy named Fabian Gray who has the ability to harness the abilities of famous literary characters, where there's five of them, hence five ghosts of the title. And they're never specifically referred to by name in the comic, but you can tell who they are. Like the archer is Robin Hood and the detective is Sherlock mm. Holmes. And he can bring on the abilities of these literary characters in his own life and I think that would make an awesome TV series not one of us has managed to name a film adaptation <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I just thought of one because you said the detective if someone could do the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen properly properly this is good. I'm, I'm going to carry on exhaling carry on. <laughs> yeah that, that, that would be amazing I don't think it can be done I think it could be done if you actually use the plot from the comics. Such <laughs> a simple idea. Why has nobody thought of it? <laughs> well, clearly, I don't think the person who directed the first one, the only one. Oh, Sean Connery. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. <laughs> I don't think they'd ever read the graphic novel. I don't think they'd been within, you know, 50 feet of it, because if they had, they might have actually had an idea of how to do it properly. I mean, it, it had some good stuff going for it. I thought... Um, it was definitely a film. Jekyll and Hyde. The, oh. the, the treatment of the character there was all right. Solely, not, not the special effects or anything, they were rubbish. But the way he played the character yeah. and still had Hyde as this but, kind of torture. But they screwed up everyone else, didn't they? I mean, Mina well, they, Harker they, is badly done. They still screwed um, him up too, to be fair. But he, he was the best of a bad bunch. Yeah. Tom Sawyer was actually kind of the only good one because he's not in the graphic novels so they couldn't screw him up bad Quartermain though very yeah, bad Quartermain yeah bad Quartermain I mean Peter, Peter Wilson is Mina Harker mm. she does have her finest hour at that point in the movie where she does a spot on Sean Connery impression <laughs> which I've only seen matched by Alec Baldwin in the Red October <laughs> something's don't react well to bullets in here <laughs> yeah well, that was the uh, that was the 400th worst uh Impression ever? <laughs> Only four hundred. Come on, lower me down the ranks. No, don't worry. There are thousands of them. I'm not going to do one now. I've had too much beer. Yeah, but if I come four hundred, that's like you know, there's thousands below me. <laughs> Clearly, I should be down there somewhere. But Alec Baldwin and Peter Wilson, best Sean Connery impersonations ever. Sean Connery, close second. You third. <laughs> Upgrade. <laughs> Very briefly, what do you think about rebooting? any existing characters in the whole 
comic book universe world. So not just Marvel again, but anything. Anyone need a reboot? I hate reboots, but anyone need one? Anything in the DC cinematic universe at the moment? <laughs> more Batmans. More yeah. Batmans. Actually, no, no. You could you could just stop with the Batman because again, I, I refer to the Chris Nolan ones, which I know again you. you not know, my favorite movies. You not your favorite movies, and you slightly sneer at me every time I bring them up. But you know, you could just stop Batman, and I'd be happy with the current content of Batman. And I, I don't just mean Nolan's, but also going back to. The first two Tim Burton Batmans. Mm. He didn't do the third one, did he? No. Joel, Sh- Joel Schumacher. I yeah. thought he did Batman and Robin. He did. No, Joel Schumacher did, did the third one. Batman Forever. Batman Forever. He oh, might have been the fourth one as well. He oh, did. Okay. He did ruin the series with the fourth one. I know that's the one he killed. But he it with. sowed the seeds of failing it. I with the third one. I didn't know he did the third. One. It was Joel Schumacher. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I'm guilty of quite liking the third one because I thought Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones were brilliant <gasps> villains. All I remember was that annoying bit where Jim Carrey was like, "Caffeine will kill you," and he hits him over the head with a coffee thing, and I was like, "Oh, for goodness sake, that wasn't a Riddler." Was that even before he was the Riddler? That was, it was. he was still Edward Nigma. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my like, god! Who that, am I gonna be? <laughs> the weirdest thing is, why do I remember so much about that movie? And why but, I... but that, that's the thing. Batman Forever is almost a decent movie. I don't know, the thing was, so this is nineteen ninety five. So this was peak Jim Carrey. Hmm. This was post Ace Ventura and pre When Nature Calls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this this was when you could just have Jim Carrey just pretty much doing anything. Yeah. What, what, was it Joel Schumacher? It's my, my memory. It was George Schumacher. God, I think I just blocked that bit out of my mind. <laughs> I, I don't believe he could make such a good movie. It, which is unfair because he made uh, Tigerland, Colin Farrell. I hate Colin Farrell. But you like Tigerland, if you know. No, I hate both of them actually. That's what we're going to follow up with. Oh. It's a series of things I don't like. <laughs> series of things Eason does not like. Dave, get out of the house. <laughs> cut that bit or, or maybe I should just get out of the house <laughs> it's remarkable what we're going to turn into this is going to be the finest 15 minutes of this podcast ever <laughs> <laughs> but so one character they could reboot which might be awesome because even though the first film itself was actually pretty awesome they're still awesome uh, how about a new Blade ooh that will anyone ever be as cool as Wesley Snipes in that role mm. I mean who pays their taxes these days <laughs> Yeah, well, could could you get you know I know he's not had great luck in his other reboot uh, Michael B. Jordan as the Human Torch in the Fantastic Four reboot you know, although he's going to be in Black Panther oh, I think so he can't be two characters well except Blade I mean not a lot of people know Blade is Marvel property and he's actually in the Marvel Universe I know so that's why you can't be but that way it's Chris Evans though Human Torch and Captain America. Yeah. So basically, that's like a default character that you play as a rehearsal for being a proper character yeah. in the Marvel universe. And, and also the, the Blade he, movies. Uh, Ooh, could be Warner Brothers. I'm just having a look at who owns it and who did it last time. It's owned by uh, Wesley Snipes and Shell Corporation. <laughs> was it? <laughs> I paid my taxes the old-fashioned way. Was it, wasn't it? Um, it was. It was New Line, wasn't it? Uh, it was um, distributed by New Line, production yeah. company Marvel Enterprises. <sighs> Back in the day. Yeah, and they made, of course, The Punisher as well. Of course, he doesn't need a movie, though, because he's going to get the best TV series I know, that is quite exciting. Because he was the best thing about Daredevil Season 2, in my opinion. I didn't read Daredevil Season 2. It was good, but uh, 
I didn't really like the fact that it kind of switched tones half halfway through. It kind of got rid of the Punisher and then it brought in the Elektra thing as too much. And they didn't really know what to do. And then, to be honest, I just want to see a show where uh, the, Punisher. the Punisher just <laughs> shoots people. Yeah. Uh, as long as Scott Glenn can also be there to provide fantastic commentary. And, and I want a special cameo by Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> and Thomas Jane. And Thomas Jane. Yeah. And John Travolta. Now, I actually think the, the, the Punisher movie with Thomas Jane was the, the first sec- decent Marvel movie. <laughs> well, actually, I think the second one was. Punisher Warzone, I think, was better than I've Punisher. not seen it. It's the, the dude who was in Rome. Who yes. Uh, what was his name? Dude Dudington, I think his name was. <laughs> uh, he was in King Arthur Ray. as well. It is Ray. Ray Dudington. Are we going to go with Ray Dudington? Do you, do you know what's annoying? He's actually really good. He is. In, in lots of stuff. But he never seems to pick the right project. <laughs> Ray Stevenson. Ray, Ray Stevenson. Stevenson. Very yeah. close to Dudington. <laughs> but Ray. not Winston. No. Although he, um, of course, Ray Winston, best buddies on King Arthur. Oh, I don't want to watch that movie. I'm, I'm in deep denial. No, no, no the, old, the old one. No, I know. I'm just, no, oh. but you can't mention that because it's all been ruined by the fact there's a trailer on TV these days with the new Guy Ritchie one, which makes me want to put a fork in my eye. <laughs> I, I would advise watching the, the trailer online without forks anywhere near your hands, but the one where they use a bit of Led Zeppelin. It's a fantastic trailer. It actually makes you want to watch the movie, as opposed to the other trailers, which makes me want to run away screaming. <laughs> which, <laughs> without forks again, because like you, I'd be tempted to pluck them in the old eyeballs. You, you know what, though? Ray Stevenson was Punisher in the second Punisher film, but he was also in the Thor movies. Yes, he's uh, the jolly... Warrior three yeah. balls. <laughs> we can't edit that out, can we? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, he was the jolly one in the Warriors three. He's the one who shows up and just goes, "Found you!" <laughs> in the first four movie. He's, oh, I forget the name of his character. I really hope they come back for Ragnarok at some point. I think it was Dude Dudington. <laughs> <laughs> that is his name, and forever shall be. I'm toasting Eason. You can't see it, but he's getting a toast. <laughs> Cheers! Cheers! So, in summary, Dave. <laughs> Sorry, we're just saying, Eason's talked too much. I've talked too much. You let me take over your podcast. You're very kind of fair of you. In summary, <laughs> in, in summary, did you enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two? I'm not sure if I've said it at any point so far, so let me be clear. Yes, I thoroughly enjoyed it. <laughs> it's yeah, it, it's not as fresh as the first one, but it's still a, a magnificent film. And like I said, I think it does a much better job of getting important messages across than any serious drama that you can't take your kid to. So it's worth it for that alone, parent. <laughs> Did you enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy 2? I have not seen Guardians of the Galaxy 2. <laughs> You're lying to me! <laughs> no, I did. I thought it was I thought it was better than the first because I didn't really like the first one. I'm not going to go into that now. But I thought the first one was kind of... The second one I thought was, you know, it was competent. We're about to have a disagreement, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> Wham. To so the soundtrack yeah. of Guardians 2. <laughs> Bex. Did you enjoy Guidance of the Galaxy Volume 2? Well, yes, thank you for asking. <laughs> I did enjoy it. I also enjoyed it more than the first one because the first one, I felt like I had this weird sense of deja vu 
because the structure of the plot was so plot by numbers. But volume two, not much plot. So you can't have fine. that problem. <laughs> yeah, the other problem is when we first watched. <laughs> when we first watched. When we. You've well, ruined the clothes. Well done. <laughs> when we first watched the first Guardians movie, yeah. we were too close to constantly watching Parks and Recreation. That is true. That is In true. which case, Chris Pratt is not Star Lord. No. He's Andy Dwyer. Yeah. And the whole thing just feels like Andy Dwyer doing a space version of Burt Macklin. <laughs> <laughs> and we had the same problem with Jurassic World. Well, it, it was like Andy Dwyer's Burt Macklin goes to see the dinosaurs. It's probably a good thing to not get me started on Jurassic World. <laughs> but I think now there is sufficient distance from Parks and Rec. It just reminded me of that, that episode of Parks and Rec where Andy Dwyer is... Well, no, it's Andy and April. They're involved in that fundraising thing for Leslie and the cable goes out because he hasn't been paying it. So it results in Andy having to reenact films for an audience of people who are all who are all there to fund the campaign, like he does Roadhouse and Babe, and it just feels like somebody has said, "Chris Pratt, we're going to put you in Jurassic World too," and he's like, mm. <laughs> and then and then there's no clear idea what's happening, so he's like, "Should I just do Burt Macklin?" And they're like, "What's Burt Macklin?" And he's like, "I'll do Burt Macklin." <laughs> And that's what happens. And it has dinosaurs in it. But it doesn't have Jeff Goldblum, which the next one will have. It's what, it's what saves all franchises. And indeed, there was a little, little, little Jeff Goldblum in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2. Tiny, was there? Tiny Jeff Goldblum. Oh, you idiot, Dave. Oh, oh, well, um, I fell asleep the second time I watched it. It was there the first time you watched it. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> it, it, it should be noted, I had tickets for the midnight showing the first showing and I fell asleep that's why I got angry at Empire for spoiling it for me so I went at the next day at three o'clock when there was no one else in the cinema and I felt self-conscious the entire time Dave we're going to edit out this disclaimer so it makes you look like an idiot yes (laughs) I look like an idiot without your help (laughs) so thank you very much to Dave for joining us today to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy and many other topics (laughs) thank you very much for having me you will have no idea how much we have spoken out random things in the last god knows how long i am the god of tangents <laughs> let it be known and we will have to get together again to talk about the dark tower later in the year oh, yes ian read the ian <laughs> eason read them <laughs> who's ian uh yes yeah, so, so our our you know takeaway quote from this is ian read them <laughs> Thanks, Dave. You're my best friend. I'm glad after this long you still don't know what my name is. If you're listening and your name is Ian, you should read the Dark Tower books. Also, I'm still after my cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually for Ethan. That's not for Ian. (laughs) Ian, Dark Tower books, but leave the cup of tea. It's fine. It's Ian, all fine. Read them. <laughs> Are we going to start again? Right, and so that's it for episode 16, our wrap up of Guardians, the universe, and 
Yeah, everything, really. <laughs> Although we may have actually edited most things out by the time this goes on the podcast. So, yeah. Thank you, Dave. And uh, we'll see you next time for episode 17. Mm. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Ooga chaka. Balls.